Hey, it's Tom. Um, this is an interview with a good friend of mine called John. Um, he's an author, and if he does listen to this, I want to apologise to him for how badly this interview has turned out. Um, as you will remember John, but as you, the listener, won't, we were in a church and it was a public space and there was a lot of noise and a lot of interruptions and we did actually even have to stop the interview midway through and, like, it took 20 minutes for us to be able to continue again. Um, there's only so much audio editory I can do, and I did make 150 cuts and edits in this interview. It doesn't sound like it, it sounds like I have literally just stuck it all together, but I have tried my best to do a good job of it, and I'm afraid I haven't. Um, but if you do want to know more about John's story, go and buy his book, and I'll talk a bit more about that at the end, although he does talk about it a lot in the podcast as well. So please listen. Please um, be understanding of how badly the audio editing has gone, and I will see you on the other side. Okay, hi, um, this is a Tom in his podcast, and I am interviewing an author, a very special author, in fact, and he's quite a good friend of mine. Only quite. But um, <laughs> I am interviewing John Edwards. Hello, John. Hello, Tom. Uh, how are you, first of all? I'm all right, a bit cold. It is very cold. <laughs> it's cold in it. Uh, just for the listener and the viewer, because we actually have video for once, um, we are in a converted church um, on a residential, and the church is cold. As all churches are, it is freezing cold. Yeah. However, we're not talking about me. We're talking about you. And more importantly, we're talking about your book, cool. because you have written a book. Um, do we discuss the book first, or do we discuss you? Depends what you want to do. I want to discuss you, okay. I think. So, John, um, you weren't born, John, were you? No. What was your name when you were born? It's in the book. You have to read it. I don't, I don't really like telling people my, um, my birth name. I don't think many trans people do, although mm. it's in the book. That was a decision more that the publishers chose to take. Than yourself. Yeah. Okay, and you have touched on there, you have let slip, what is special about you because you are trans. Yeah. Um, this is such a delicate subject and I, I'm wondering which direction to take it, but um, how much of it are you willing to talk about considering that this is all in the book that you will be planning to sell? Like, do, um, you, do you wish to talk about the back history at all or shall we discuss the book? can I think one links into the other thing it's an autobiography so <laughs> so um, do where about like when did the decision first come that you were not in fact female that you wanted to be a male um uh, it's a long long story <laughs> um I think it's gone back right into early childhood that I didn't feel right but I can place a name on that feeling because obviously you don't really think about that stuff I mean there's some trans kids who are very definitely yes I am a boy or I am a girl um, but I never really had that definite sense of one or the other um, and I mean as I grew up into my teenage years I found more about trans and genderqueer which is neither male nor female um, and I started to research a bit about that and like I found that there were others with the same feeling as me so it was like a gradual discovery of like putting a name to something I'd been questioning for quite some time. Okay so it was during your teenage years that yes. you realised that you were um, in fact a male. Yeah. 
and um, you were quite unique in the fact that you were like granted permission to go through hormone therapy quite yeah. young, weren't you? How old that, were you? I was 15. You were 15, and what is the usual age? NHS is about 18. Okay. You go into therapy, if you take the NHS route, you go into therapy about 15. They don't want to give you hormones until you are 18, and you can get referred to the GIC, the adult GIC. Mm. Um, so, did you not go through the NHS? Yeah, I went privately. You went privately. Um, do you feel that? Well, obviously, you must feel that that was a better decision because you got you yeah. got to become who you are a lot sooner. But do you feel that there are um, Do you feel that the NHS is supportive of trans people? Mm. Like, do you feel that maybe there could be more? Yes done? and no. I think. There are very good doctors and very, very bad doctors, and it really depends which doctor you see as to how quickly you get seen. Yeah. I, I don't think many trans people going through the NHS I feel they're taken seriously. I mean, there's... <laughs> um, for a variety of backgrounds, I've had disabled friends um, who have been discriminated against and feel that that is a barrier to them, as well as being trans. Um, doctors have discriminated them. Mm. For that, um, people from different ethnic minorities feeling that they aren't taken seriously because of that, and just um, I think one in interlinks to another. So I think it really depends who you see. Yeah. Um, and do you feel that the um, sort of like disparity between doctors? Do you feel that that is something that could be changed through maybe legislation or just better education? Mm. Or do you better feel education. I definitely think trans groups should be putting a lot of pressure on the doctors that are setting the whole system back. Um, there's, there have been quite various conversations and petitions, especially with um, the private doctor that I went to see, which is Dr. Richard Curtis, being... Oh, I need to be so careful about this. Yeah, that's fine. Basically, there were some facts that may not have been quite true said about him, by another NHS doctor, okay. and I I feel that was very wrong, and a lot of people feel that was very wrong. Okay, so even within the profession, there seems to be um, like a bickering and a very differing yeah. attitudes towards trans people. Yeah, Is that what I mean, like? one NHS doctor said that this doctor had done things not quite right and had given trans people permission. Permission to like transition when they felt they weren't ready enough, whereas that was m much less number than may have been put forward. Why do you feel that there is such bickering and such ignorance on the profession? Is it religious or is it just a general dislike of the practice or do they feel that people are maybe, like, is there a lack of total understanding about the whole transgender? Mm. I think most of these doctors aren't trans, and so they're coming at it from this angle and obviously you're going to get things wrong even though you might have researched extensively into this subject, mm. you know, you're not going to have that same level of empathy. And the private doctor I went to see was trans okay. and he's done very, very good things for a lot of my friends because he's understood where people are coming through and he's known what sort of things trans people go through Yeah. in order to assess where, if they're ready for treatment. And I mean, people always, some people are always going to detransition because you could be 100% sure and then your emotions can change on hormones and your perception of gender 
and how the world sees you can change on hormones. So, okay, so um, would that, do you feel that maybe the trans, not sorry, the um, changing of the mind of some individuals is blown out of proportion to a level where it yeah. is damaging for the whole of the trans population? Mm -hmm. uh, Detransitioning, de which, which some people do, it isn't that big a deal. It happens. Some people might not be ready, some people might not have assessed their feelings. And I mean, they can be 100% sure. And like, people ask them, are you sure, are you sure? Yes. And then that's a go-ahead, like, you can't know what's going to happen in the future. Mm. It's a very, very small percentage of people, and it doesn't affect the wider trans population. People are always going to think things are wrong for them. Um, we can't always know what, how we're going to feel in the future, or if our mind's going to change a lot. Um, perception of self can change, perception of how you view your gender. Um, many people's genders are fluid throughout their lives. Um, so I don't think it's a big issue and I don't think it affects, you know, the person next to you. It's your own personal issue. And if a doctor thinks you're ready at that moment to go through transition and he has no reason to believe that you're going to change back because he's not a, an oracle, he doesn't know what you're <laughs> going to do or how yeah. your mind's going to change, then it's really not his fault. If you know, he is convinced, and you're convinced, and that's what you want to do, and that's a positive decision for you, and how you see your future then. Yeah. But, um, with, sorry, what was the term? De-genderisation? De-transition. De-transition, even, yeah. Um, so with de-transition, is it easier to go back if you are one gender, if you start as one gender than another? Like, I'm specifically thinking, will it be easier for a female to revert back to a female if they thought they were male and vice versa. Just from my own like desire to understand it more. I mean with with hor it depends how far you've gone. Mm. With hormones I mean if if I stopped there'd be permanent changes. Okay. So I wouldn't be able yeah. to just go <laughs> you back to just become No 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 no. Mm. No. Yeah, so there are permanent changes. And if you have surgery then yeah. really what can you do? Yes, of course. But your beard isn't just gonna drop out if you stop taking your hormones. No. But I'm, yeah. <laughs> Wake up one day and it's all just uh, all over my pillow. <laughs> oh, God. oh shit! What? Oh, it took me about yeah two years to get. I mean, you've seen the picture in the book. Two years to get pretty good growth, so it's gradual. And I mean, if if you stop, there'll be a gradual, very very gradual, and irre probably irreversible effect on body hair. So. Mm. Well, your, your facial hair is more impressive than mine. Which I know, and thank you. Just, I'm quite bitter about that, and I really Most men shouldn't are. be. Most men it's are. Just like, it's just like perfect growth for a beard, and it's just not fair. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. So you're taking hormones, yeah, and you are taking those every... I get an injection every three months. Every three months, and that, that is just... Um, that's... Uh, testosterone injected into your body and is that like absorbed gradually or is that all taking in at once and then its effects are permanent for those three months oh wow the, Sorry, it's the biology of, of testosterone yeah um i get something called libido which is quite a high dose and it's jabbed into my ass right here um and that's a very strong dose and it hits you quite hard um as i didn't start out there so i don't know the comparison of change. I think if you start on a libido, 
it, you will realize you're being hit with testosterone. You'll feel it. I started on gel, which is a lot more gradual, and you rub it on every day, and that's very slow absorption. Mm. It's a little bit every day. I think in terms of effects, it's basically the same. Okay. Um, but it, getting an yeah. injection once every three months is more convenient, I imagine. For me, I completely forgot to rub on the gel every day. So I just book an appointment and then it's done. Mm. Okay. Um, I want to delve into lots of scientific questions oh, and God. now I feel like I've got a warrant to do so because it's being recorded, which means well, it's more professional. If, However, if I know, I'll answer. <laughs> um, no, I think we're going to sidestep that because we need to talk about your book. Mm. Um, the book, which is out when? Next week. It, yes, but the date? 11th. The 11th of April 2013, for the listeners and viewers. The book is called The Boy Who Was Born a Girl, mm-hmm. as seen on TV. Now, John, would you like to hold your book up to the camera? And oh, It was posing, man. <laughs> you, you are a poser. So, mm-hmm. this book covers... In fact, t- tell us about the book. This was written after the documentary of the same name, which is what it has seen on TV, <laughs> on it. Yeah. I'm not lying. <laughs> um, it was a documentary in 2009, which followed me uh, for about, was it a year? Well, basically half a year. And yeah, that was, that was really early on in my transition. And for part of it, I hadn't started taking hormones. Okay. So I was, was that pre hormones? I think I was pre hormones, because it, it followed me on my first visit visit to an NHS hospital. It followed you through your first visit to the hospital pre-hormonal. Was it more of a documentary of psychological aspects to it rather than the actual physical changes? It was, yes. Um, Yeah, it followed me on my first visit to um, the Young People's Clinic, end of NHS. Um, And then on my first appointment to the private clinic. And then in the April of 2009, I got prescribed hormones Mm. by the private clinic. So it was following me very early on in my transition. And when I finished filming, I was only a few months on hormones at that point. Yeah. Okay. And so is the book just covering the same aspects of the documentary, but in more depth and obviously through your words, as opposed to the eyes of a director? Yes. And I I finished writing it in um, last autumn. So obviously it goes a lot further. Like, I started passing 100% when I was 17, when I had a beard. (laughs) Um, So it follows my journey living as male and living with people, perceiving me as just male yeah really so well uh with perceptions in society do you tell people often that you are trans mm. not really it depends really on the situation I'm gonna... <laughs> sitting on the, on the bus yeah, so like, hey. next to you hey <laughs> how are you um tell them if they need to know really if it comes up in conversation mm. um obviously when i sleep with someone <laughs> yeah Tell them first. <laughs> Don't give me that look. But, um, yeah. Um, have you ever had somebody able to like tell without you telling them that you are a female? Hmm? So like, have they been able to see that you are a female without you telling them, or are you passing that one hundred percent all Not, the time? I don't. I don't With the beard. Yes, you have a lot of chest hair. Maybe. Yes, not no. showing it on the video. No. I mean, um, before. Okay. Like I got all the physical changes. So. Yes. Now. No one. No. 
Not really. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if we move on to the publishing process, mm. um, because obviously our Arts Award listeners would love to know how to publish a book, yes. um, what was the process you went through? Like, first of all, how did you get a publishing contract? I was approached after the documentary by um, an agent uh, wanting to represent me and my story. And then that got pitched to the publishing house, which was, and Random House took that up. It was pitched to a number of publishing houses, and Random House decided that they would take me on. Okay. So um, your path into the world of publishing is very different very from lucky. most people. Yes. Very lucky. Um, how would you do? You even have any advice for somebody who wants to get published who wasn't on a documentary? Um, I think self-publishing. Self-publishing is the way to go. Um, what? Like self-publishing of physical copies of books or um, e-books, e-books, e-books now? I think many of my friends are doing that. Um, um, also, many of my trans friends are raising money for their surgeries via that if they want to go private surgeries. Mm. So um, my friends are great writers and they, they realise that that's the way to go. So I see a lot of people self-publishing now. Awesome. Um, and so you've now got an agent and well, they want to follow your story. Oh, yeah. Well, no, yeah, yeah. Before. Um, what happens next? Um, I'd already written a few things for the agent for them to pitch. pitch. Um, and so Random House takes it up and then have a meeting with my editor. And then we, we discuss what the process is going to be um, and the sort of structure of the book, what I'm going to write about. So, yeah, and then you decide what you're going to write about. I was, it was left very much up to me and my mum to craft the book, which was very good. We were given free reign. I mean, <clears throat> there was a few bits that the publishers wanted clarification on or words that I wouldn't personally choose to write it in, but then they have to publish it, they have to make it understandable to mm. the wider audience. And then legal read it as well. Legal read it, heavy legal read because it's an autobiography because there have been issues with my family. Mm. The legal read was very long and very costly, so <laughs> there's that. Yeah, so you finished the book in the autumn, and so if we assume autumn is september time, yeah. and it's taken until April to come out. Yeah. What was that limbo space? What was going on? Um, what was going on? I don't get told much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was just finalising everything. I mean, the cover... Then you have different edits that they have to do, like a copy edit, uh, proofreading, and then, yeah, basically it goes through their department mm. to make it into a book, like okay. a physical copy. Cool. And what happens when it's published? Um, do some publicity for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I'm doing as of yet. <laughs> um, and then it's published. And then that's it. And it's on the books. And it's on the shelves. Yeah. Do you get royalty checks? Every so often. I've gotten a few advances, so advance payments. Has that all been spent? Um, well, I had to buy a new laptop because mine broke, but um, it's, it's good. It's good. So do you feel that you have a definite career in writing? Well, I mean, I've always wanted to write a book anyway, and I guess I've done that now. Well, you have a bloody good thing to write a book on. I mean. Yeah. Well, I mean a, not a, a fiction book. Mm. So, yeah, I've always wanted to do that. Okay, so do you feel that with this first book you have a stepping stone to then dive into the yeah. world of writing full-time and can do whatever, or are you just going to write as a hobby and every so often publish something? It is definitely a, a hobby. I mean, I have a, a novel that I've got online, aside from this. Okay. Um, I 
feel that we could possibly wrap it up because I am conscious of your time and mine because I am actually getting hungry and it's still really cold. Um, do you go through the publicity run? You're going to have to learn all this spiel. When's your book out? Who? Where can you buy it? How much is it? What are your your online websites? That kind of thing. So you've got like two minutes. Go, John. Oh God, it's too cold. I'm too hungry for this. Pressure. <laughs> um, my book, Boy Was Born a Girl. It's out. Waterstones, Amazon as an ebook as well as physical copy. Asda. You can buy it in all the major retailers. It's six ninety nine for a paperback. And I've got a Twitter and I don't use it. I've got a Tumblr and it's probably best that I don't advertise that. <laughs> but, um, Inappropriate fiction is that. Oh, yes. Well, Random House published Fifty Shades of Grey, so... Maybe you can publish some stuff in later life. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe, yeah. Okay, cool. And no website as of yet? Not website for me personally. Okay. Well, thank you very much, John, and good luck with the book. Thank you very much. Cool. Cheers. Hey again. Um, so that was the interview with John. Um, I don't doubt that you saw what I meant when I said the editing was really bad on that. It was, I know it was, I'm sorry. But on the plus side, I think how I'm recording now, like the intro and the outro bit, outro, he says, I'm about to praise himself and how good it was when realising he can't even use real words. Um, yeah, I think the intro and the outro sounds quite good because I'm using the microphone Arts Award Voice bought me. So thank you Arts Award Voice for um, giving me the opportunity to make audio which doesn't sound completely cack. Um, yeah, again, just to completely reiterate my initial point John's book is out now by the time this podcast is released it will be out um, on Amazon it'll be in Asda, Waterstones it'll be other bookstores I actually don't know any other bookstores um, but it'll be in those places and I really really heavily urge you to go and buy them and just like find a bit more out about the transgender community because it is I fear so misunderstood and so underappreciated and there's just like there's a lot more that everybody could be doing to ensure that we can live together harmoniously in the same society um, other messages include please go and visit www.artsawardvoice.com you know the drill um, comment on articles read articles engage in articles make your own articles that's what Arts Award Voice is all about um, subscribe to my podcast download it enjoy it rate it five stars and leave a comment you know the you know all that jazz and um if you aren't subscribed then you're going to miss out on a fantastic interview with joe craig which i will be editing at some point in the future and releasing so thanks again for listening bye john's book and i'll see you soon metaphorically bye